0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing more great content week after week. This week, guys, we have Dave Varellin, the singer for Botch, for Narrows, all kinds of bands, super influential dude. Uh, I was so stoked to get him on the show and we had a great conversation. Uh, just an awesome, awesome person, someone I've wanted to talk to for a long time someone I've never gotten to actually see live either, which is also uh, a huge, I guess it's not a regret of mine because I didn't really have the chance. So we were up in Alaska uh, for most of Botch's career until we discovered them late in the game. I think uh, Nick and Joe from Anatomy got to see Botch with the Murder City Devils, and I remember them telling me about it, but I was probably working um and did not understand the magnitude that that band had until after it was over um so we talk about a lot of things we talk about you know the formation of the band we talk about uh, the legacy of the band we talk about narrows a bit we talk about uh he's a firefighter now so we talk about that um all sorts of cool stuff so i'm i'm really stoked to bring you guys this conversation um and yeah we're going to get into it here in just a moment um, let's get some business out of the way real quick. Uh, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email. If you want to get in touch with me, reach out for whatever reason. Definitely hit me up. I'm always checking my emails and answering emails and messages and guest ideas and all that stuff. You guys do a really good job of telling me exactly what you want to hear and uh, things you like, things you don't. Uh, So definitely appreciate that. Definitely go rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you consume podcasts, you can leave a review, and those definitely help us out in chart position and everything else. So definitely keep those coming. We love seeing those reviews come in. Uh, It means people are listening, and it's a big deal. So uh, we've got a lot of big things coming up this month. Uh, You guys are going to hear some stuff coming out here soon. Uh, stoked to announce some things. And uh, yeah, you guys that have been with me since the beginning are going to be super stoked. You guys that are just joining um, are also going to be hopefully stoked as well. Um, We've had a few people write in saying that they've listened to every episode of the show. And that is crazy. Um, That's a lot of time committed to this show. And uh, yeah. So anyways, thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. Um, I want to talk about really quickly here. Uh, Thunderbolt Guitars over in Detroit. Uh, Thunderbolt Guitars had built me a custom guitar. Uh, it's amazing. I know I, I need to get some video up soon. I've just been incredibly busy. But you guys need to go check out Thunderbolt Guitars on Instagram. Hit up Nick. Buy an aluminum neck. Send him any kind of ideas you guys have. Um, he's just an amazing, amazing individual for one. And a, a great artist. I mean, he is uh, truly an artist. He's making pieces of art that sound unreal, ferocious, I mean, and, and beautiful. There's this shimmer that you get with those necks. There's just, I mean, I can't even describe it. A lot of your favorite bands probably play guitars with aluminum necks, but these ones are done by hand and filed down and sanded down. And and I mean, there's just so much effort and sweat that goes into it. Uh, it's really amazing. And when I put that guitar on with that strap made by my buddy Ryder over at RER Studio, it's, it's just the most beautiful thing because it's just this gorgeous guitar handmade with the, even the strap holding it on handmade by a friend. And that kind of stuff is huge, uh, to me, friendship, uh, the relationships we build, all the friends I've made through the show is incredible, but also friends I've had for a long time. Um, it, it just means a lot to me. And this brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't talk about a lot of personal things on the show. Um, I like to keep the show timeless when I can. Um, and I know when I lost my dad, I brought that up on the show. Um, and, you know, so I want to get real for a second because my buddy Billy, um, Billy Darling, buddy of my my friend Bobby, who you guys heard on the show recently, his daughter is uh, starting her fight with leukemia. And uh, it just blew my mind to see it this morning, Um, just broke down. If you have kids, this kind of thing is uh, a a worst nightmare scenario. Um, I know kids have a really good chance of beating leukemia more than adults. I've known several people that have had it and all of them have beaten it, but it's still terrifying thing to go through, Um, to be told your child uh, has something like that to fight going on. I can't imagine it. I, I went to record this intro, uh, twice now and broke down twice. And I'm, I'm trying not to, because, uh, um, you know, you guys, you guys need to, uh, to go if you can and, and, uh, they've got a GoFundMe set up. Uh, the link is in my bio on Instagram. So if you go to pure pleasure pod, uh, on Instagram, click the link in the bio and donate anything you can a dollar, a million dollars, whatever you have, um, send it to Billy and his family. Uh, this is just one of those situations I can't even fathom myself. Um, and, uh, you know, the second I heard the news, uh, from, uh, Casey, uh, Casey Bates had sent it to me and, uh, man, uh, anything you can give it, it would help them out. They are wonderful, wonderful people. And, uh, you heard Bobby talking about Billy on his episode, the things they went through in their childhood and the life they've had. Um, Just a beautiful people, beautiful family. Please send what you can go to Instagram. The link is in my bio. I didn't want to give you a bunch of letters and numbers on here to try to write down. Um, But this is the time we need to help people, uh, help people out. So if you can, if you can swing it, please do. Um, If you're listening to this episode, you know, two years from now, who knows, maybe that GoFundMe is still up and you can still send some money over that way. Cause you know, this thing will leave a, uh, a financial riff for a long time. So, um, anyways, I love each and every one of you, uh, listen to the show. I can't stress that enough. Uh, I try to keep things as real as possible, uh, unedited as possible and raw as possible because that's what I want to hear. And that's, what's important. Um, these conversations time spent and this is another thing guys not to stretch this intro out but seeing things like this where uh, a diagnosis of something like this this kind of magnitude uh makes me appreciate time all that much more you know um you know if i had that say, 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 say 152 episodes of this podcast, someone has listened to every episode. That's a hundred and on average, 152 hours, which I know it's well more than that. Um, what I wouldn't give for another 152 hours with my dad, you know, uh, time is extremely important. And the, the way you guys spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours a week with me And listening to something that I'm doing is just paramount to me. And I don't take that lightly. And I respect each and every one of you. And I really, really mean it when I say thank you so much for coming back week after week. You know, because I could still have these conversations and not put them out. And I would cherish them just as much. But the fact of knowing that you guys are out there listening and spending... Your time on this crazy place we live with me and somebody that I'm talking to is is just huge, guys. And I I don't mean to get all, you know, crazy sentimental and, and uh, you know, be a downer this week. But, man, uh, things like this happening just really put things in perspective. And, and uh, I just really love each and every one of you. And the, the ones of you that reach out, the ones of you that don't. I know you're out there, I see the numbers, and it's, you're not just a number, right? It's not, it's not, you know, how many people are listening, it's who's listening. And uh, that's something I've never gauged the show on, is numbers. You know, numbers show me if more people listen this week than last. But, you know, when I'm talking in this microphone right now, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to, you know, the mass majority. I'm talking to each and every one of you. Because um, you're hearing my voice in your head. My voice is in your subconscious. If you're mowing your lawn, doing your laundry, you know, whatever you're doing, you're trusting me to bring you something that's special and, uh, you know, worth spending your time on. And I, like I say, I don't take that lightly. So, all the love to each and every one of you guys. Hang in there. We're going to get through all of this. Billy and his family are going to get through this. If you have something to spare, throw it their way. If you don't, just send some positive vibes. Copy the link from my bio and post it on Facebook. Post it everywhere. Because, you know, if you don't have any money to throw at them, maybe a friend of yours does. You know, and uh, we're all connected that way, guys. I really appreciate you guys so much coming back week after week. And uh, on that note, another Seattle legend, uh, Dave Rurillon, is on the program. So uh, I want you guys to sit back, relax, maybe pause the show, go to Instagram, copy that link, share it to five people. Do that right now. Pause the show, go copy that link in the Instagram, share it to five people or five uh, um, people in your phone. Do that right now. Get it done. Then come back, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Dave Varellin of Botch and Narrows. Shut up Dave, how are you?
1: Pretty good, man. How are you?
0: I'm great. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you fine. How about me? Oh, dude, you sound wonderful. <laughs> I've never actually heard you not screaming.
1: <laughs> if that makes it doesn't sense. Doesn't match, I'm sure. Oh man, it's uh, uh, most people are like, I can't place you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you and I have not had a conversation yet, so I've never, uh, I've never actually heard you speak, which is. Uh, I like a surprise, so there we go.
1: Yeah, me too. This is totally a surprise all the way around. So happy <laughs> to do it.
0: Right on. Well, uh, dude, so it's just it's just a conversation based show. I don't know if you've listened to it before, but it's uh, you know it's not super structured. So I, I like to go through certain things, but um, yeah, it's just super super easy.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm totally going in blind. I didn't do any research or anything because I just i just didn't so <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs>
0: have you done a podcast might- before
1: uh yeah i was on um what's it called Ten Thousand words uh oh
0: 100 words or less
1: oh 100 words or less maybe yeah okay yeah. with ray yes okay. yeah it was I'm uh, pretty sure yeah it was a uh, it was a fun experience i don't like listening to myself talk you know what i mean but other than that it was fun <laughs> yeah well
0: there you go you never have to listen to it again uh Yeah, Ray and I were on the same network um, until just recently. I think he switched over to iHeart Podcasts, iHeart Radio or something. He changed jobs, so his job is working in podcasting. So, of course, he went the direction of his work. But um, Yeah. Yeah. How long ago was that?
1: Was that a while ago? Mm, Yes. My son was not born yet, so over three years ago. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. That's when I start. I started in 2016, and then Ray had already been going for years at that point. I think. Oh, cool! But, uh, well, sweet man. Well, well, thank you so much for doing this and taking the time. I know. Uh, I don't know if it was kind of. I guess it was kind of out of nowhere. I, um, I did an episode with my buddy Aaron Edge uh, a year and a half ago, maybe, and yeah, uh, we were talking about you know who to have on next, and I was like, man, I'd love to talk to Dave. Uh, from uh, like the botch days, and and um, and he's like, Man, I have this like old number, I don't think it works for him anymore. Um, and then we just kind of uh, other things came up and it got pushed to the side and pushed to the side. And then I was like, You know what? I'm just gonna look and see, maybe, maybe he's on Instagram. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> yep, there we yep, go. There I, am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know some people from that day and that era, you know, to even now don't like to be uh, found or, uh, don't use the social media very much. So, um, I had no idea what would be going on, but
1: not me, man. I, uh, I, I miss those days. I'm happy to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've had,
0: uh, Dave K on and, um, uh, that was a fun chat too. And, and, um, yeah. And Brian Cook. So i was working oh, down the line.
1: <laughs> uh, this is going to be comparatively way less interesting, I'm sure. <laughs> Those well, guys have a lot more to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's cool because we didn't really, like, Brian and I didn't talk much about Botch, and neither did uh, Dave and I. We talked Minus oh. the Bear had just did their last tour. So we kind of talked about that. But I love not having really an agenda because I it makes the show, I think, a little more uh, timeless where you can listen to an eight. It's not like, Oh, they're only going to talk about, uh, the new record or the new tour. You know, I hate that stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's one thing, like I really respect, uh, what you've done in music and it's something that's influenced so many people, including myself. Um, but I'm just glad to speak to you.
1: So, um, yeah. Cool. Why no, don't, I appreciate it.
0: Why don't we go all the way back? Where, uh, were you born in Seattle, Tacoma area?
1: I was born in, in Lakewood, which is just outside of Tacoma, and a hospital that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, grew up there until um, I was uh, out of high school, just started like community college in, in Tacoma. So, yeah, I spent all my youth uh, kind of local down here.
0: Okay. Yeah, I love, uh, I love that area. I lived in Renton for a while um, and then Puyallup for a while and uh yeah yeah it's just a nice little pocket of of space i mean um a little less expensive than up in king county and and uh or is it part of king is it pierce
2: county
1: it's pierce county okay. yep. yeah yeah and like uh you're right man when I, I lived in seattle for years you know in my uh in my 20s and my 30s and then when we when I got married and I started to have a family and stuff like that we came right back down here <laughs> so yeah. it's uh it's been super
0: nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, taxes are better. Everything's better. It's just, uh, and there's a there's an Ivers right there. That's my favorite spot. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, <Yep. laughs> we're from Alaska, so like I, anytime we came down to visit my grandparents in Redmond, we always hit Ivers on the way from the airport every time. And
1: uh, super good, man. Some good day. chowder. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, so like growing up brothers and sisters you have, yeah of course uh ben your brother who who yeah. is also but helmsley and harconan and uh varell and amps um yep is that your only sibling
1: no i have a sister too we have a sister who's the youngest and she's nothing big she's just a doctor no big deal just no big deal <laughs> yeah. she makes us look like well at least me like I, I didn't even finish college. My brother's got an electrical engineering degree, which is super hard to do. Uh-huh. My sister's a doctor in physical therapy, and she does all that work. And I'm totally just like halfway community college grad, man. Go <laughs> Titans!
0: <laughs> That's amazing. That works out perfect, too, because uh, what's the one thing musicians don't have is health insurance. So, hey, sis, <laughs> can you look at this? Or It's perfect.
1: It's pretty funny. We have diet conversations all the time.
2: Oh no! <laughs> oh no!
1: Well, uh, she's pushing that, you know, uh, meat-free diet, you know, and I'm, you know, I get it, but I also own a steak restaurant, so I don't really subscribe to that agenda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's bad for business. <laughs>
0: yeah. Man, so she is she a vegan or just
1: vegetarian? Not a vegan, just vegetarian. She just, I think she just dropped red meat too. To be honest with you, I think. You know, she's uh, became uh, environmentally conscious to the effects of it and, mm-hmm. and the health benefits, of course, from her work. And so it's funny, you know, the joke is don't ask if anybody's vegan because if they are, they'll tell you, you know, or whatever. And Oh,
0: yeah. You already know when you walk in the room because they've told you three yeah, times. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of true. Like everybody I know who's a vegetarian is still on the sales sales uh, circuit you know uh-huh. like, oh you know my knees have been feeling a lot better since i stopped eating red meat <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah right on buddy
0: <laughs> i'm in the same boat my wife is a vegan and uh my kids and i are not so it's incredibly frustrating at times because i just want to make one dinner one meal and have it all <laughs> and then she gets frustrated because she's like well why can't you make one meal and i was like well I want to have something with maybe I want to put cheese in there, or I want to put any kind of. It's not just vegetarian; it's like anything. So like, it's I don't want to uh, blend up cashews for a cream sauce for you know. (laughs)
1: I'm glad my house isn't the only one. I feel like we're shorter (laughs) to cooks over here, where everybody's got their own, their own separate dinner. You know, we're like, all right, mac and cheese, uh, you know, broccoli, mashed potatoes, cauliflower, uh, you know, hot dogs. Uh oh. You're gonna have kids in the background.
0: That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, mac and cheese and hot dogs. That's a that takes me back to the touring days, man. We used to we used to do like uh we would get uh like go to the dollar store and each person in each of the bands, we we toured with this band Countdown to Life. I don't know if you've heard of them, but um they were up from like Rainier area. Um Uh -uh. we would combine so we would all go to the dollar store and buy different stuff and then we would meet up and stay at someone's house on tour and we would bring all our food boxes in and make like mixed mac and cheese and chili like oh you got chili i've got mac and cheese and like make these potluck dinners it was it's cooking for children takes me back to those days
1: yeah yeah well if you remember like i just remember the touring days where you would eat stuff we just called it punk stew which is like you never really know what's quite in it and it's just an amalgamation of either like very vegan and very colorless food items or, you know, you didn't really know what was in it. And we're just like, oh, punk stew. Sounds delicious. Stew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> man, that's that's insane. I uh, So sister's a doctor. Ben's doing his thing and he, he'll he come on the show eventually, too. We've tried to work it out a couple of times, but it just didn't happen. But um man, so were you and Ben into music fairly young?
1: Uh, let me think uh it kind of started with um let's see so in high school I ran into these dudes you know I was into like alternative grunge and like kind of radio rock you know I kind of grew up with with that and my parents were pretty just normal music civilians you know kind of mm-hmm. as I think you'd put it in. and and then I, I got mixed up with these kids at our high school that um were like oh you like radio's machine yeah they're cool but you need to check out this band they're called inside out you know what i mean that's his first band yeah and we we're like what is this you know what <laughs> i mean and so all of a sudden got spooled up into the world of hardcore and punk kind of that way you know mm-hmm. so it wasn't like you know i don't have this uh, story that you hear sometimes where people are like oh my parents were punks and we grew up as punks, and my whole house is just like this almost surreal natural punk you know cultivation of a person it wasn't that way it was like you know we grew up in the suburbs and Mm -hmm. you know up and up until i was 15 i was like oh my gosh check out this you know nwa is so crazy and you know have you heard of ice cube and things like that that of course were on the back of magazines and they're all over the place but still like kind of aggressive or whatever and so that was my that was my my um, you know music of choice and then and then I started getting into this hardcore stuff and hanging around with like some of those people like the Undertow dudes were like locals and they're also like kind of local heroes that were playing this amazing music and every weekend they would play a show that was just bonkers off the wall stage diving and amazing and so it just like totally enveloped us you know what I mean the the botch guys anyway we weren't we weren't quite a band we were like an idea you know we're like people hanging out and going to record stores together and then all of a sudden it just kind of evolved that way into into music you know and then so for me and ben he was like oh what are you listening to you know what i mean and i was like don't even worry about a little brother this is like you know i was kind of like i was kind of that older brother you know just like trying to own it and uh, which i had no right to do of course and and then he got into it and all of a sudden he I was like what are you listening to and he's like you're so dumb dude this is like the bald back catalog that you didn't even bother to listen to it's so great and you know what I mean so like <laughs> we had this like working competition of music in our hat and our, between our two bedrooms down across the hall from each other and I just remember him like you know playing something and I'd be like what is that he's like it's integrity dude and I'm like that's not integrity he's like it's early integrity and I'm like dang <laughs> Just one up in me the whole
2: time.
0: <laughs> Dude. That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just was like that. So I mean, we kinda just of, competition is kind of how our, our music evolved. And then all of a sudden, like Ben like was playing guitar and he was playing bass and he was playing five string bass and he was playing bass and moog at the same time and he was playing bass, moog, and drums at the same time, and I was like, Holy shit, man, he's very talented and I'm kind of just watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know
0: wow so you don't do you not play you don't play an instrument at all
1: um I mean, I, I played drums in roy for a while and uh that was kind of like my i feel good and i like try to play guitar but it's it's nothing i could you know claim on some lighter notes or anything <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> man so that that healthy competition though definitely skyrocketed you guys farther than you would have gone on your own individually i mean that especially being at home and having it, you know, around you all the time. Um, and then, so, like, when, how did you meet the the botch guys? Like, Brian and, and Dave and, like, are, uh, like high school? Or-
1: yep. Yeah, we were, like, high school sweethearts, man. Was, uh, Dave and Brian were a year older than Tim and I. And, um, I think the story goes is uh, Tim was – in jazz band and he was just a sick drummer ever since day one. And Dave was a guitar player, like kind of like Spanish flamenco into like some punk rock, early punk rock stuff, walking by the, uh, the music hall at high school, just hearing Tim like filling on some crazy, some crazy beats. And he's like, you know, kind of pokes his head in and is like, Hey, I'm Dave. I play guitar. We should jam sometime. And that's literally how that all started. And then um, those guys met Brian, who uh, was wearing, like, a, like, I don't know, a Meat Puppets t-shirt or something like that. And they were like, hey, we should we should jam sometime. And then uh, I think Tim knew me from, we were in the same class, so he was, like, saw me on the bus and was like, hey, you play guitar here? And I was like, no, not really. And he's like, oh, you should be in our van to come to an air practice sometime. <laughs> and so And so... <laughs> Pretty like weird, organic, like made-for-TV movie start uh, for the band, but uh, and we were terrible. You know what I mean. Of course, like we just had all these weird ideas, and but we spent so much time. We practiced every day after school. We tried to do shows once we got a little older. You know, as much as we could. And I think that's what helped kind of hone us. You know what I mean and focus our direction and Mm -hmm. and grow our sound. So that's how it all
0: started man i could totally see dave saying that hello i'm dave <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, yeah uh, no fear a style
0: like... yeah just <laughs> totally matter of fact like yeah he kind of reminds me sometimes of uh when dave chappelle impersonates like the weatherman or uh or he's he talks this very matter of fact and hello sir i'm <laughs> It, yeah, which is hilarious because and and also watching the the progression from from you know from then to now it's it's so crazy. But so when you guys, how were you guys received in the hardcore scene? Because you guys weren't hardcore. Like you guys were way beyond.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> like uh you got to own your roots, right? And so like where we came from was like I said, not like that that purebred I guess kind of way to put it uh we were very all over the map and so even though we we're playing like original songs and we would play these shows like our first shows were in like our garages you know what I mean like our own garages and mm-hmm. then we would try to get on bills at the the places we would go see like bands like Undertow toe ad and like all these other bands that we try to like open and they're like what like no nerds like we don't even know who you are you know and they're like okay we got to do something so these people will like us so we're gonna play the best song of all time at the time we're gonna cover firestorm at the end of our set so like <laughs> we would we would play like we'd play like a bunch of like our originals and then we would just be like all right this is here's the, like here's the dance number that you all know you know what i mean and we would play firestorm until like i forgot the rest of the lyrics and it would just kind of fade out fade out and at least then people will be listening you know what i mean and yeah i think we did that with a couple of jams. like i mentioned inside out i know we were playing burning fight a couple of times and because like we love those songs and you know of course we're trying to like emulate and we're trying to like appease that crowd you know we wanted to like but it's it probably another like two or three years until like people started like caring about the band just because we didn't look the part we didn't have like hardcore fashion sense we didn't have like friends you know who were friends we didn't do our own zines actually i think brian might have done a zine in hawaii when he was growing up there he did a punk zine but you know what i mean so it, mm-hmm. it took us a while to get indoctrinated i guess and then um which is hilarious because you know fast forward 20 years i think you know john john pettibone was on the road with yeah, us. Right? Yeah, yeah he was doing lights right yeah yeah he's selling t-shirts and hanging out with us and uh-huh. so i mean it's just, it's just youth, man. It's
0: just grown up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had such a cool, I mean, just a cool, I mean, see that, that whole Seattle, greater Seattle area had such a cool scene going on back then. I, I love John Pettibone, by the way, he, he Me was. I met, I met him through himza uh, through Aaron actually at a coffee shop in Portland. And then we ran into each other at a gas station randomly on tour. He was with him and I was with anatomy of a ghost and we were just like walking through the parking lot. Like John do it what what the hell <laughs> and then it's so like we kind of hit it off that way too like you're kind of like oh right on cool we'll see you later uh anyway he's an amazing dude i've tried to get him on the show a couple times i think he's nervous to to do podcasts because he th- thinks he doesn't have much to say but he absolutely does um anyway <laughs> side the side note <laughs> what, yeah what was what was being in a room with botch like like writing songs like how did how did those songs come about because there's so so many parts but you guys were all so good I, i'd say worse so good still good but like you guys were so good <laughs> at what you did each individually that i mean the sum of those parts was just this it was like something i'd never heard before you know like and I'm, just to be completely honest i came into botch my first botch song i ever heard was to our friends in the great white north uh, because mm-hmm. our drummer had bought that record and put it on he's like you have to hear this so i was like okay puts it on and just immediately i was just like what is this it was awesome, <laughs> awesome. i loved it but then i had to work my way backwards and then you right. know everything after that was was the anthology and that was like the that was it and i never got to see you guys live uh we Come moved ahead. down we moved down from alaska in 2000 like end of 2000 and we were so preoccupied doing other things and i hadn't heard you guys until later i had missed everything and i felt so bad because i was like oh my god (laughs) like i have to see this and then all of a sudden and i'm going on a tangent here but then all of a sudden every band like botchy or botch like became like a genre (laughs) <laughs> do, you, do you remember that did you see that happening like every band with any kind of math uh element or off time signature element was described as botch botch like or botchy um you know because people always try to describe things like oh it's kind of uh you know uh singer songwritery like like they are right
1: again right. what what um what i remember and um i'll get back to the to start of your question but the, what i remember was when people would say mathcore and they were like oh you guys are mathcore and you should check out these bands that are also mathcore but a lot of that was like you're right like after we had already either broken up or we were about to break up and there were bands that i'd never heard of or was kind of like checked out on like um you know music has was to me it was shifting it was changing from like kids that were like trying to do everything themselves to like you know kids who wanted to get laid and so they want to get into a band and they, their dad ran an investment firm and they were going to get them a you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's just like a different wave of bands coming through it seemed like and um so i don't remember being like anybody saying oh, it's botchy but i the comparisons are like always coming at us where this band sounds like you or this bands would say hey we ripped off your riff you know or something like that and to me, it was uh, an odd. You know what I mean? I don't really mind any of that stuff. I, a long time ago, Brian said, hey, we just want to try to make a dent in music. We're not trying to, like, you know, buy boats or mansions or anything like that. And that, when people tell you that stuff, that's what that is. You know what I mean? It's a dent in music. You know what I mean? so, like, super happy to have that. Even if I don't agree with, like, liking those bands necessarily or, like, the, you know, they're you know like warp tour bands or whatever you know that wasn't me that wasn't us even though we wanted to do that stuff we're like oh man if we get on warp tour we made it and that's just wasn't in the cards for our band you know what i mean it wasn't that kind of the band we uh, weren't that kind of music so at the time and then all of a sudden all those bands were and you know they're playing like huge festivals and they're like um mtv and all this kind of stuff and it was like wow we were like just ahead of all of it and you know, I, I don't, I don't take credit for any of that. I just feel like it was just timing. You know what I mean? I don't feel like mm-hmm. it's because of us necessarily. Just mostly timing. Where uh, you said what was the the right songs with well yeah with like Josh. what
0: with, yeah what was it like right, how were those songs constructed was it you know dave brought in a riff or or uh like what was it because they're just so amazing like i i love those <laughs> songs so much i would love to know how those were you know just like generic like generally how those were brought forward
1: uh well so like i don't know how a lot of other bands write music it's kind of later on i found out that like some bands are just you know, like Trent Reznor and he writes every bit and then hires the musicians to come and play for him Mm -hmm. in his band. And to me, that was a foreign idea. I thought every band did it like how we did it, which was everybody's responsible for their parts, you know, and bring it to the table. And we're going to like basically smash them together until they work. You know what I mean? Like we're going to like make these gears fit together. So like Dave would have a riff and he would play like, you know, for half an hour with tim and tim would be like you know what and tim's a really smart musician he knows a lot about you know classical music and composing and like how do you put time signatures and keys together and all these different things and mm-hmm. and so he would he would inject that education that he had into what dave was bringing to the table and then you know brian is also just by i think the hard way a great musician as well you know what i mean where i I wouldn't say he's had a huge music education. He's just he's just done it all himself. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and definitely uh, brought his bass lines and wanted to. He's like, I don't want to stand there playing open E. You know what I mean? Like Earth Crisis. I would like to play the fretboard. You know what I mean? And Mm so then we'd have these huge arguments. Like, dude, that sounds like you know, can or you know, some prog metal band. I don't know. We're like, we're not that band. Like, you can't play that part. And then we'd like have all these fights about like how the song was going to be constructed. But, you know, then uh, eventually it just kind of came out to a some we were all happy with. And I would write these lyrics and scream over them. And they were like, I don't know what you're saying right there, but I think it should be half of what you just tried to fit into that bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that. Or, or I think you should hold off in that part. And so we would, we would check and balance each other that way, but we we're responsible for our own parts. And so I think that's why I was so organic. I think kind of what you're talking about um because of that
0: yeah i definitely i i definitely agree with that i mean that hearing that breakdown is is uh, it really kind of solidifies a lot of things in my mind with going back through you know the songs in my head like uh, um that's my favorite parts like just how they were constructed like it, it doesn't seem like it could work any other way than that to come up with that kind of material and and I mean where did you when did you discover your voice as far as that you could do what you could do as far I mean screaming's one thing like screaming technically anyone can scream it's just going right. to sound like garbage or it's going to sound amazing or it's going to sound middle of the road you have this very uh interesting and still do have this very interesting screen where you can understand really I was talking about who's i talking to uh I was talking to someone else about this where like Randy from Lamb of God, you can understand every word he says. But he's screaming ferociously, but he can pitch his screams. You can do the same thing. Uh, but you have just this interesting style like you knew. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their tenth studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Colour, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brandon and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the states in May and June Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and b new 7-inch now. slash PPP for 30% off.
1: Eastern, and you can listen at two zero two zero dcom d dot com, dot com, or on your favorite podcast app.
0: Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peer Pleasure dot fm is the website. There's three tiers: tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is five dollars a month. It gets you the ad free experience. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Pure dot dot FM is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It was you, you know, like you hear a song that's even, you know, you know, like even with narrows, like it, it's you like yeah. you have this distinct sound when did you discover that
1: oh i don't i don't know that it was like a discovery where i was like oh i'm just gonna do this it was like i tried singing it was awful i wanted to be like on her toe they were like my hardcore heroes when i was growing up mm-hmm. so i just tried to basically emulate john as best i could you know i was i was into a you know, tons of bands that were like really unintelligible screaming bands, like all the evolution bands, like any, Oh, and the whole San yeah. Diego sound. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. Those, those bands were just like going off ferociously and no one could understand it. And then this is, I blame Tim because Tim was like, dude, you have to enunciate you have to enunciate your words. Otherwise it's a waste of time. And he would get so mad because he came from, like I said, a really educated <laughs> <laughs> music kind of background. And he was like a, he was like a choir, you know, he did everything in uh-huh. music and he was just like, you got to enunciate. I want to hear your S's, you know, all these all these things. It's kind of forced me to, you know, work on it, I guess. And then it was, I think the road, you know, like practice on the road. Cause we practiced every day. We went on the road like in our in our twenties a lot. Mm-hmm. I would call it a lot, maybe you know, not by some standards now. But um, and so like I remember I was hoarse and drinking water and tea all the fucking time until all of a sudden I didn't need to anymore. And I could just sing a show and I could talk afterwards and I could sing 10 weeks worth of shows and it was no big deal. And I don't know how that happened. I'm probably paying for it now, you know, in my older age, (laughs) (laughs) it just, uh, it just kind of evolved naturally and I didn't, I didn't really try to, to do anything to, to gain it.
0: Yeah. It just, maybe, maybe you just started working your diaphragm more or, you know, like things that they would normally teach you with that. Well, that what's that DVD, The Art of Screaming? Uh, that lady does. Um I don't, I don't know. Uh, she does. She does like she like so like Lama God again. Randy like is trained by her. Like, uh, she trains all these massive metal screaming musicians. Uh, this lady in Damn. New York or whatever. You should look it up. It's called like the the <laughs> the uh Art of Screaming is what it's called, and I forget her name, but she does like the. You know, like the throaty screaming, the inward screaming, like she, it's kind of cheesy, but I think it works because, I mean, people pay her a lot of yeah. money
1: to, <laughs> to <awesome>. do this.
0: <laughs> but maybe you figured it out organically just by trial and error, which Dude, is kind of sounds was, like
1: my... your way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, my abs were definitely hurting and I had headaches all the time after, you know what I mean, after playing. So either I was doing it right or wrong. I don't know. But like I remember, uh, I remember Greg from Trial was like telling me he was like had this fear of like growing throat polyps or something like that because of the screaming. He was seeing all these doctors and like was really trying to like take care of his health. I might have the story wrong, but something like that. I know it was Greg, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not doing any of that. I didn't think about any of that stuff, and I just kind of was like, ah, uh, if it's not bothering me, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it. I'm just gonna keep trying. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's how you get that
0: genuine. You know, everyone that saw me not included, everyone that got to see Botch play, you know, got a like a unique experience, like a, a just trying to make it work. You know, yeah. which is, well, I kind of wish
1: now I'd met that lady instead of going the hard way like I did. Well, there you <laughs> go. But
0: maybe maybe your voice would have been completely different. You know, maybe uh, maybe it would have learning a proper technique may have hindered, uh, you know, that creative spark or, or those happy accidents, you know, like. Like, uh, what makes Brian so good, where he's not, you know, a trained musician, he's one of the best bass players around, like, and most interesting, you know, and it's probably because he's writing off ideas, not uh, mathematics, you know, or like, uh, uh, theory-based, you know? Sure, yeah.
1: Yeah. I can subscribe to that. Yeah. You know,
0: that's where, I mean, all this stuff stemmed from was just people with, with needed something to do and, and, uh, you know, hardcore on its own, like you needed something to do, wanted to express something and, and figured out a way to do it. You know, um, mm-hmm. what about, it's fun that way too? yeah, exactly. It's it's just a real, a real thing. It's a real, uh, moment in time. That's, that's, uh, you know, people should cherish that kind of stuff because it, it goes fast but um what about what about lyrically like they're like uh, what was your inspiration lyrically with with botch per se
1: man that is a that's a great question and i um i was doing a jay bennett interviewed me one time and i was trying to explain to him how lyrics and stuff like that evolved and i was like kind of listened to what i was saying to him and i, I felt like Man, that's a terrible answer. I don't feel like I have the right to be a lyri- to say I'm a lyricist or you know any of that stuff. I feel like I just put words that were like emotionally charged and concepts that were popularly discussed at the time and and try to make them fit into the songs. And that's all I was really trying to do. And I wanted to have like explosive breakdowns and and dynamic buildups and you know what I mean. So when I approach it like that, and then someone's like, "Oh man, tell me about the." you know, what, you know, what inspired you to write these words? I'm like, I wanted the song to sound good. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, it seems like it's the wrong angle for most people or for most people that write. And um, so I feel like I cheated everybody. I don't have a big catalog of, you know, manuscripts that are like stemming from, books or experiences i think you know subconsciously i'm sure they are you know from all kinds of different things that have affected us or the band or whatever uh you know i'm sure if i dug deep enough i can figure those out but really the truth is i wanted the song to sound good and i wanted to have things that would inspire me to to uh you know emote the way i did on, on live during the shows and stuff so
0: yeah that's 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 hilarious because it sounds like you write lyrics like a guitar player writes riffs like has a bunch of riffs and then puts it together you know like this is gonna evoke this this is gonna evoke that and if i put them together this works that's genius i've never once heard it that way this is like a hundred and episode 148 or something like that and i've never (laughs) heard it explained that way and i'm i'm glad that's okay no that's odd dude honesty that's you know honesty and especially even if if it was the worst like oh I wrote this song while I was taking a shit or something like that like and maybe it was my favorite song in the world I would want to know that's how it was written you know I wouldn't want this grandiose uh you know explanation that wasn't real you know um yeah but that seems I mean it makes sense it makes complete sense because I mean you guys were still figuring it out you know and and it was just such a cool such a cool thing to to all come together that way and then like with with uh uh romans where i i was thinking maybe i dreamt that i didn't dream this up that's ridiculous but <laughs> I, I remember seeing an interview or something maybe it was read an, or maybe i read an interview where dave said i want to write a record with no palm meeting, like a heavy record with no palm meeting.
1: He hated that. He hated Paul Muting. Yeah. So that was
0: kind of what happened. And I love that, like setting a limitation or not even a limitation, but like a rule and then creating, you know, like a. uh, it's just something that's been interesting
1: to me for a long time. Um, The best thing about working with those all those guys during those years was like, especially for me when I was like, oh, my God, I just saw the best band I saw, you know, I don't know struggle i saw struggle and they were like so amazing we gotta write a song like that you know what i mean like whether whatever it was like Mm -hmm. fast fast um uh strumming or really fast singing or something like that and those guys would just be like nah you know what like that's that band we should not do that because it's like that and so we held ourselves accountable for all the decisions we made like so harshly we probably threw away like three records worth of songs you know what i mean like oh, just because we would be like ah you know what we play a song we almost had it down and we're like you know what that really sounds like uh this band you know maybe we shouldn't do this because i think partially for fear of sounding like we're biting somebody's style and partially for our own like uh responsibility to ourselves you know what i mean Where yeah. we want to to keep uh keep it uh true to what we're trying to accomplished so we would we would hack tons and tons and tons of stuff out. Man.
2: <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> Sorry to bring you down, bro. Oh, it's all right.
0: <laughs> when did when did you guys how did you guys meet like Aaron and the Hydrahead guys?
1: Uh if I remember right and there could have been a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I didn't know about, but I think we sent them a the demo when we did a bunch of demos or maybe it was this one of our seven inches that we did or early on an excursion or something like that. Sent one to him, to Aaron, because we liked the cave In album beyond, the uh, uh, what's it called? Beyond your heart. Uh, it just came out. I don't even know. I can't remember. Beyond your heart stops.
0: Uh, uh, until your heart stops.
1: Until your hot sauce. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Edit that. So it sounds like I know what I'm talking that's a about. Good, <laughs> that's a good record. <laughs> and it is like, just come out, came out and we were, um, we were like, man, we have an album worth of stuff. I wonder what, uh, le- record labels would want to put out our music, you know? And we were sending it to these little packages to, to everybody that we could think of, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, Mostly, mostly West Coast stuff because we felt like the East Coast labels wouldn't really like us because we weren't palm muted and we weren't like dance breakdowns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden we got this like letter back from Aaron was like, yes, I want to do your record. How about we do, um, I think it was for two LPs, and it was like just a handwritten note that was like, you know, we'll do like a 50-50 split or something like that and uh maybe that's maybe that's even more than i remember but anyway it was really basic like that and we were kind of like okay and so we just you know through like snail mail agreed to do this record with a guy in boston at the time that we didn't even know we barely knew much about them at all but that was kind of the way things worked back then you know what i mean yeah yeah uh so yeah that was it and then we met aaron stayed at his house um this was when he was still in boston he was in Boston. Okay. Yep. The whole label was there. Yeah. He had big long dreads and was like, <laughs> uh, just, you know, just an interesting dude, man.
0: <laughs> he is, man. He is. Yeah. I'm on the show. He's, he, we, we talked on a landline while he's in Bashan. Uh, first time, first time I had to call a landline. Uh, but yeah Aaron, <laughs> yeah, Aaron Turner, dude. He's, he's a, a genius and a, uh, a good dude. But that's, um, that's so, I mean, just a handwritten note back like that's how it works like that's so amazing that you know even that much that would be like today getting a handwritten note back from somebody would be like astonishing just because there's so much yeah. easier ways to do it
1: uh so yeah nowadays it's like you know, their lawyers would get in touch you know or something like that <laughs> man
0: i just that reminds me of something i just saw on instagram uh my buddy uh fat mike from no effects he put on uh uh, he posted this picture of his A note he wrote to AFI Apparently AFI had sent them Material and it says Hey AFI uh, On Fat Fat Records letterhead It says hey AFI uh, Really like your stuff I don't want to put it out though uh, So anyways <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Sorry Oh well oh, Sorry oh well Fat Mike And he's like well hindsight's not 2020 20 or something like that like yeah <laughs> you should have fucking done it oh but God. the handwritten note thing it totally just put that back in my mind uh you know i don't think aaron would would be have like the tongue-in-cheek humor of uh of that 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 note from fat mike but um yeah
1: grace, very deadpan <laughs> yes
0: but very cal- very calculated and thoughtful and and um yeah i respect that absolutely
1: but well I think we were we liked it too we were like oh let's get a letter back didn't like you know send us a contract or you know none of that it was like really just like a letter and like that was appealing to us too like we didn't really want to be a part of like big big business big music business or anything like that we mm -hmm. didn't want to have to like have tour commitments or we didn't want to have to have uh, you know album deals and all those things that probably would have been helpful down the road in hindsight but at the time, we weren't—we didn't care about that. We wanted somebody to put our records out. We wanted to have control over our music and like what the records look like, and we wanted them to be in print. You know what I mean? So it couldn't yeah. be somebody that was just gonna like fold. And so yeah, so that's how that all worked out. And then obviously it flourished, and even to this day, like the kickback catalog is still still up and running. And uh, he's been really awesome about working to keep that stuff uh, going. Although I guess. You know, there's been changes, of course, in Hydrahead up for a long oh, way. Sure. But,
0: yeah. Well, it's cool to see, and and I wouldn't see him doing things any other way. You know, uh, I know Ian MacKay is a lot the same way as I made a deal to make this music available as long as people want to hear it, and as long as people want to hear it, I'm going to make it available. You know, that's something really noble as well to to curate that that music, you know, and keep it going, you know, when people want to hear it. I mean. Think about the black album The black album from Metallica Like they They're still selling 5,000 copies a week You know In, this, insane, in man. this day and age It's insane Absolutely And uh But you know Someone's keeping it going Because people want to hear it And people want You know People want the vinyl People want You know Um It's a cool thing when, So when So speaking of flourishing Then everything kind of Comes to an end Like how What brought upon The demise
1: well, that's kind of like what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, uh, when you've played a song 10,000 times, uh-huh. you're kind of tired of it. You know what I mean? Like you kind of want to move on to the next thing. And I think that was one of the things that we had a problem with was we had a hard time catering to kind of the crowd. You know what I mean? Where the crowd would want to hear the hits and you know the, the ones that they, they liked. And we were like, we played that record last tour. And if you missed it, Sorry, we're on to this. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was it was okay to do that. But, you know, then, of course, looking back, those people were like, we just found you. We want to hear, you know, to our friends from the Great White North, like you said, or something like that, that was the song for them. And we were already like uh, getting growing tired of doing that. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, tour life and being in a band is kind of carny life. You go to every different town, you put on the same show and it gets hard it gets like um, difficult to continually do that and find reasons to feel inspired and happy and so that was one of the things that was big for I think especially Dave Knutson was he really wanted to continue continually move on continually move on move on move on Mm -hmm. and you know myself I was like hey man as long as we're playing these like you know, 150 capacity rooms, I am stoked because I love playing little small shows and going crazy and having like big sweaty hangouts with, you know, the crowd. And that was like, that was like my bread and butter. I love that stuff. But I think everybody has their own things that they found that they loved in doing the band and doing music. And, you know, when those things started to dwindle away, that's when we kind of realized we couldn't do this forever. And I just listened to, brian cook uh his uh tomorrow we die podcast. did you have you heard that one no i haven't so he talks about tour stuff on tomorrow we die he's like episode six or something like that and i just finished it i'm way late on it but um in there he was talking about how a band's a band's life should only be uh the lifespan of a family dog between 10 and 12 years (laughs) (laughs) he stole that quote from somebody i'm trying that's like maybe one of the melvins or something like that and it's so it it kind of hit with me because i was like man that's true like that's about how long we lasted you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and beyond that it's it became a chore it became tiresome everybody was irritable you know people were like arguing about silly stuff like you know merch designs or tour routing or you know things that didn't matter you know we we should have just been happy to play shows and play songs and and keep going is how i feel about it but Mm -hmm. when uh when guys need to find that they need to find that satisfaction and they're not getting it, I mean, you gotta be happy at your job, man. That's like rule number one. And if you're not, you gotta move on. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how we landed on that.
0: Wow. And then, and it, man, such a, I mean, it's a bummer when that happens, but if it's, you know, it spawns so many amazing things. Like it was like this little <laughs> implosion that then blossomed into, I mean, amazing stuff. And uh, like, between botch and what were you doing between botch and narrows?
1: Uh Roy. Roy I did Roy with nice. my brother. Yeah. You know? And then uh just kind of got out of music really. Mm-hmm. I was bitter. I, I didn't want botch to end. I was uh, I was still having a great time with it. And so I was kind of, you know, understand it, understood why, you know, my parents wanted to break up, but I didn't want them to break up kind of thing. Uh-huh. And uh that's how I felt about it. So I didn't feel a drive to get back on the horse right away. I got out of music and like pursued other stuff that I was interested in. And then, and then the, the bug, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, my brother's doing Roy. I want to do Roy with him. And then Narrows, of course, like Rob Moran's like, Hey, we should do a band. And, all these things happen where i was like of course i want to do this stuff and even today i miss it you know i wish i was in a band right now but yeah it's just time time man i got kids there's no way
0: well you it's <laughs> funny that you went from one band you know with one of the most uh, like innovative forward-thinking guitar players to then another band with one of the other most amazing innovative <laughs> guitar players who also, by the way, this is fucked up. He does not even have a Wikipedia page.
1: Who are we talking about, Ryan Reddickson? Oh, Arbot?
0: He doesn't. No, I'll let's fix he that. doesn't. I'll fix that it's today. hilarious because it's all. <laughs> it's and and I usually don't do a lot of research before these shows, but I was I was curious and I went on there, and everyone's name is on there with a highlight where you can click on it, except for his. And I'm like, dude, this guy is a genius. How the hell? Do you say Arbot?
1: Uh, Yeah, I have a nickname for him. We call him Arbot. Yeah, that's my nickname for him. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, That's crazy to me, too, because you're right. He's such a good guitar player, such a good artist, like, in so many ways, and like, such a great dude. I think he's just a quiet, uh, quiet player, you know what I mean? And that must be why, but we can
0: fix that today he's so fucking good not to bring this about him either but like i've never heard someone control a whammy pedal like him since tom morello like it's fucking insane and yeah i reached out to him on instagram too and i don't even think he's read it but uh that dude is yeah beyond he's just on another level and but it's so rad because you guys got into a band together and made music like together and it was amazing so like you just have this like and and it's not to say like you're flying to these different points with amazing people and you're not because it's your voice that takes it to that next level and that's where when i saw narrows i was like oh fuck yes you know like i had something to hold on to again for a while but oh, cool, um, man. so that was i mean narrows happened amazing band but then that ended as well or is on a hiatus
1: it's kind of a permanent hiatus i think we never officially broke up but like uh dave
0: you're killing me dude (laughs) I (laughs) know. literally stabbing me in the heart over and over again
1: (laughs) we uh we talked all the time about getting back together and playing shows in fact i was pushing pretty hard for it uh, about two years ago um we played a couple of shows and um afterwards the guys were just kind of like you know this was a lot of work
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: and they had to like fly home immediately. Cause you know, we live in different cities and mm-hmm. um, Jody who lives in England was like screwed because he couldn't get a visa. So we couldn't even play with him unless we came to the UK, which I would totally do. But um, yeah. it just, it became it's such a lame thing, but you know, you have energy when you're young and you have, you have, I guess, focus and, and, Maybe fewer responsibilities that that allow you to do a lot of things. And that sounds like an excuse, I know, but at the same time it's like you gotta make choices and for us, you know what I mean, like spending five hours in a sweaty room relearning the songs and like mm-hmm. flying for five hours each and you know, all the little things that add up that people don't see for like a thirty minute show. Yeah. Uh just started to toll on everybody and so, yeah, I think Rob's in like 10 bands, by the way, so he's probably just busy doing other stuff. I think every week he's got a new band forming, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just like Aaron, Aaron Edge. Maybe yeah. 30 yeah. <laughs> different bands. Uh, dude. So, well, with that explanation on Narrows, I have I've, I've, I guess I have to ask, but I probably know the answer, if Botch would ever get back together for like a festival or something, like a one-off show, uh, you know, now that I think Dave's doing his solo stuff. Uh, Brian's got his six bands, and then, like, yeah. what? What, do, what are the odds of that happening? Probably zero.
1: Oh yeah, the odds are really low. Yeah. Um, okay. But I mean, dude, there was because I would years fly there.
0: Where... I would make it happen. I would make <laughs> myself. I would care where it was. I would. Yeah. Finally, get to see it.
1: Well, I love that, and I think I think we we felt that, especially like in the last five years, we felt that there was a lot of people that were like, "Hey, man, before this." Before this light goes off, you know where you guys can no longer attract a crowd anymore because they're all too um, out of touch or given up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like you guys should do a show. And like I think there was like a surge of bands doing like shows again. You know, I think like I don't know, like Snapcase was doing shows again, and like oh, some yeah. other some other hardcore bands were all getting back together.
0: Furnace Fest. It was supposed to be Furnace Fest yeah. in September.
1: Yeah, and. So all this stuff was happening where we were like, see, look, these bands are getting back together. They're playing their old catalog. It's fine. You know, all these promoters that came up from hardcore are now involved in the music industry and they can make it happen and they could, you know, fly you out and like make equipment happen and do all these things. So make it really, really easy. And I guess like we got to that point where we were like, yeah, this could, this could happen. And then the question though, do we really want to do it? And, one of the things that kind of came up and I guess this is going to be talking about you in a way is like, you know, if people missed it, then maybe they just missed it. And it's not fair to like rehash it in like some halfway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 40 year old version of botch versus, you know, 25 year old version of botch. And and we were really fearful that we couldn't pull it off and that like it wouldn't sound how people wanted it to or you know what I mean? They'd be disappointed or mm-hmm. you know, all these different things that could occur. And so we kind of continually were saying, why, why, why would we want to do this? And, you know, there's lots of reasons to do it. And then there's also reasons not to do it. And so I guess eventually that won out. Um, for the record, though, I, I would love to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I that's what I'm gathering. And maybe, maybe put the deal out if Fugazi reunites, you guys reunite. Because if I they can that. do it, then you guys can do it. Because that's yeah. the only, I mean they they're they're gonna hold out forever probably but if it happens <laughs> it happens but i i would uh i like i said i would fly them in a position now where i could do that and not have to like skip paying rent to go fly to see the show but like and of course we're all probably in better places financially than we were then but um yes. you know i would be there absolutely yeah. but what were you well, saying thanks, you said something about uh you were listening to um uh brian
1: on is it his podcast no, he was being interviewed on uh, oh, "Tomorrow okay. We Die." Yeah, okay. Tomorrow we I've Die. not heard it's, that uh, podcast.
0: I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah, it's new. It's it's, uh, it's John Wisniewski from Akimbo, and uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's good. Man. I started listening to it. Awesome. Yeah, check it out. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? <laughs> uh kind of, but like, I listen to my industries podcasts, which nobody probably likes. Like i I listen to stuff that have technical. An educational value to me so it's like
0: like, you said you own a steak restaurant
1: uh yeah i do a bunch of dumb things man tell uh, me
0: what you're doing now because this is (laughs) yeah well
1: okay my day job my uh for the last 15 years i've been a firefighter what i work for the fire department yeah
0: dude (laughs) thank you so much for that that's amazing that's yeah you're a fucking hero now see, you pulled the knife out of my heart (laughs) <laughs> now you, you're a fucking firefighter. That's amazing.
1: manage it up, <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah. So wow. I do that. I've been. That's kind of what I started doing as soon as Vatch broke up. I was like, I have this other love, you know, for this this job I want to pursue, and so I did that. Um, and then like I got married, and my wife uh, is the bartender by trade, and so we started. Uh, we wanted to open a bar, so we opened a place. It's kind of like a steakhouse slash bar place in Tacoma here and then just last year we opened another one so now we have two restaurants it's job and talking about the good old days with you here on the uh, telephone
2: dude
0: <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> well take me back
0: let me ask you this then because now that I know you're a firefighter have you ever this is going to sound super i mean i don't mean it to sound uh you know i'm sure awful, awful things happen you see it all the time but have you ever rescued someone that was a Botch fan or a Narrows fan that said, holy shit, when they realized yeah. who saved yep,
1: him? Totally. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was I was in the living room working on somebody's parents, and the kid comes out, and he's wearing a uh, Neurosis t-shirt. Oh, God. And was just looking at me like, wait, what? Like, just <laughs> looking at my face. And, you know, I think I have a pretty recognizable face you or something. Do. Because people were just, he was just like, dude are you hey wait and like i was like yeah yeah you know and so like literally drawing focus away from his like yeah, yeah. father yeah
0: <laughs> dad you never know who this is man oh
1: yeah, my god pretty hilarious and it was like a young kid too so i was surprised it was like a i don't know he's probably like 15 or 16 so i was like oh that's surprising <laughs> dude
0: that's excellent i <laughs> yeah i was totally prepared for you to say no it's never happened but of course yes it has yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Well, Dave, dude, I've I've had you on the phone an hour, dude. I I really appreciate this, man. I I absolutely do and uh I appreciate the time. Uh I appreciate the the knowledge and the the uh the stories and and definitely the music you've put out there that I have literally and I say this all the time, but I truly it's amazing getting to talk to some of my heroes and you know, uh People that have influenced me in such a way and given me something so special as music. Uh, thank you for that a hundred percent. And uh the fact yeah. that you're out there saving people's lives, man, that's awesome. And putting your life on the line for others. I mean, that's a, a noble uh career and it's not easy to get into. And uh I applaud you for that as well. That's such a cool story going from from you know, start to finish. I mean, such yeah. a cool story i mean you should start a podcast or write a book uh know? nah i'm good
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: you can I write a, it though, man.
0: a vegan cookbook you know like or, <laughs> that's uh, a good idea
2: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> i try to just uh i try to just keep my wife happy which is probably gonna end up with a cocktail cookbook here soon or something like that i don't yeah. know but you know those we're, we're into that stuff quite a bit and i really appreciate the words man it's mm. it's nice to hear and I love talking to people that, that liked their music and that's really, really, it helps me too. So I appreciate it.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I'll let you get back to the rest of your, uh, your afternoon and evening, dude. But I, like I say, I appreciate the time and, and thank you so much. And, uh, I'll be on t- in touch when, when this comes out and everything and, and, uh, we'll get it out to the world.
1: Thank you, man. I hope it, hope it was, uh, hope it was gold for you. Dude, this was a blast.
0: <laughs> This really was a blast. I I haven't laughed this much in a while. It gets this was a good one. I appreciate it,
1: dude. Awesome. All, All right. right, brother. Thank you. Talk to Take you care. soon. Bye. Bye.
0: All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dave Varellen from Botch from Narrows. Uh, mm-hmm. What an amazing, amazing frontman. And to hear his process, how he wrote lyrics. You know, someone with that much influence in a band with that much influence. It's kind of cool to hear where they were at when they were doing what they were doing, how they went about things. Um, You know, just it makes it all the more real, you know, and and the human element is there. And just that was an awesome chat. I mean, that was a really good, I felt so inspired after that chat. Uh, I remember I did a little while back, and I remember how inspired I was afterwards. Just such a great attitude that Dave has. And uh, just a great, great person and firefighter. Saving lives, you know, putting his life on the line, just like he did for music, touring, you know, putting, you put your life on the line, you put yourself on the line. And, uh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. All right, guys. So, uh, one more reminder, go to my Instagram, link, links in the bio, donate to the GoFundMe for Billy and his family, Billy Darling. Uh, if you're listening, Billy, I love you so much. And I'm sending every bit of love I can, uh, and sharing where I can. Uh, to get things done for you and uh, hang in there it's going to get better you'll get through this and uh, if you need anything hit me up you know where to find me um, I love you all right guys so uh, I'm going to get out of here I, I really just want you guys to know how much I appreciate each and every one of you and uh, yeah appreciate the love all the reviews all the great stuff all the good comments the bad comments whatever It lets me know you're listening. All right, I'm going to stop rambling and get out of here. Like I said, we have some big stuff coming up, some announcements coming up. I think you guys are going to love. And uh, as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio.